Well, Jason, I read something very, very disturbing on Facebook this week. What'd you read? I read it wasn't even uh, about the election, and it wasn't about some man-made monstrosity. It was the fact that you do not know animal facts at all. Your wife posted something about you not knowing what a raccoon is. Also, I might add that you think dogs and bears are part of the same animal family group. That's because they are. They dogs are not. And bears. Dogs and bears are part of the same animal group. They let me let me let me are. blow your mind a second. Come on, Alex. Wolves. Yeah. Wolves have more in common with dogs than than bears do. Yeah, and I would say like you have your house, house cat, you have your cheetah, and then you have your lion. It's like your big giant cat. No, 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 you no. Have your it dog, doesn't even work that way. You have the, your wolf. You have the, a bear. The teeth are a, different. I don't care about the, the teeth. The teeth. Everything. About you know this, who agrees this, with me? Who? My seven-year-old. <laughs> Oliver, he was lockstep. He's like, Mom, they have claws. Mom, they have paws. Mom, they have snouts. Mom, they have fur. They can stand oh, on guess their hind what? legs. Guess what? They all of them tails. hibernate at the same... Oh, wait a second. They don't all hibernate. There you go. You, you look up pictures of dogs that look like bears, and it's overwhelming. Yeah, that's because the way their fur is designed. Anyway, this is, this is ridiculous. No, it's the truth is what it is. Oh, my gosh. And the whole raccoon thing, that thing's... That's stupid. Jess has started like an absolute smear campaign. So like, <laughs> I will admit, I do not know my animals very well. I just thought, you know, like when you're a little kid and you're learning about dinosaurs mm-hmm. and like dinosaurs are really cool and fascinating, but ultimately they don't mean anything because you're never going to come across a dinosaur. Yeah. Like, so you just well, kind of forget d- what kind of dinosaurs you have. I would argue against that, but that's for another episode. Well, the same thing with like the same thing with animals. Like I live... In a subdivision, I'm not going to come across a lot of different animals in my daily life. Except so for a raccoon. I didn't know. I did. <laughs> so here's how this is going. We were talking about Mario Brothers. Okay. And I was like, why does a mushroom make Mario grow? Like, where does that even come from? Why does eating a plant make them spit fireballs? I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. There must be some kind of like folklore or something that tied to it. Some Japanese or whatever things that we just don't know about. And then I was like, why does a feather or whatever make them fly? Or like, uh, or the leaf make them fly? And she's like, I think that turns them into a raccoon. I was like, is it a raccoon? And then I was like, I'm not even sure I know what a raccoon is. And I was like joking with her. But that's all she posts on Facebook. Uh, And everybody starts laughing at me. And I, I just want everybody to know right here now, I know what a raccoon is you know what the problem is and i appreciate the word trash panda better than raccoon <laughs> that's what it is. it's a trash panda more people are going to see her posts on facebook than listen to this podcast i know it that's ridiculous <laughs> so she wins yeah she does she wins win. anyway it's stupid anyway so, so i have something dumb. more important to talk about than your lack of animal knowledge and it's it's our good friend austin and we, here he is right here yeah this is actually the picture that he sent us he, this is he's like i want you guys to use this picture for the podcast so there he is um yes for, for those of you who can't see it like alex and i are sitting from the pulpit of our 115 year old church building and we got a nice little five by seven of here austin uh, framed. We'll put a picture of it on Instagram, but we got a little microphone up to him, and it's like he's really with us here in person I, with a Jesus candle next to him. And, and ladies, yes. And a pack of roundups. His his voice is as sexy as his looks. Oh, my sure. gosh. Like, seriously, if, you, like, if you're going to listen to any single one of our episodes, <laughs> like... 
because our topics really don't even matter. Like, listen to this interview with Austin. His bass, his his voice is nice and bassy. Like, <laughs> oh man, it's nice. But it's uh, very nice. So I actually went down to uh, Marshall, Michigan, and we're gonna we'll talk a little bit about that in the interview. But I went down to Marshall, Michigan, to get this uh, this interview, and we're gonna be talking about the church and uh, church's production value. So Austin is a uh, production director at a church down in that area and he's got a lot of great things to say hopefully you guys get something out of it yeah i just want to say i was really surprised by this interview because like originally i had you on this show to be like the young guy like the young (laughs) point of view and just for a little bit of good looks and stuff oh thank you but then after hearing this interview i was like maybe alex has some more value here we have about the same amount of uh seminary training under our belt so i don't know why you would think of me as a lesser man I didn't say you were a lesser man, <laughs> just younger. Like, you got a little more, pr- whatever. Oh, First, I don't know you. animals, and thank now... Thank you. Yeah, a little... I don't even know what that was. That was <laughs> our hands just touched, and I feel gross now. You have mono, And too. I have mono. You're just going to get my sweaty hand... My sweaty hand touched yours, and now you, you have You have the mono. kissing disease. Yeah. 16-year-olds are calling, saying they want their disease back. Oh. Are you making fun? A little bit. <laughs> All right, guys. This is not your pastor's podcast. What's up, everybody? I'm here with Austin Germain. How's it going? Dude, I'm so excited that we're here doing this. Me too, man. This has been a long time coming. I've loved doing ministry with you, and I'm really excited to talk about it. So to kind of give some people some background information, um, in the first episode, we talked a lot about uh, a ministry that I was doing that I started in my living room called Boss, and Austin was a huge part of that. Yeah, I think we got business cards and made up and I was like the VP of operations. Well, everybody was the VP of something because Jesus was the president. (laughs) (laughs) He always is. So let me run this by you before we really get into the serious matter. Yeah, for sure. What do you think about uh, naming a church, Detroit Red Wing Church of Christ? I think it's the most genius idea I've ever heard of the century. And if you get Mike Gillich involved, it'll be huge. You can sell Little Caesars pizza during our communion. That's what I'm saying. We can take communion with Little Caesars pizza and pizza sauce. I, that might be borderline blasphemous. Mm, questionable. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the reason why I wanted to get together with Austin is he's he's worked for a few different churches now. And he's well, one, he's a really good friend of mine. And he invited me out to his Thanks, house man. house in, in Marshall anyway. So we're like, yeah, well, we might as well record. Yeah, we're recording podcast. this at the kitchen table right now. <laughs> It's pretty DIY. Dude, it's it's legit, though. That's for sure. There is no production behind this. Oh, hey, maybe he's going to give his background. I'm the director of production at a church here in Battle Creek. So that's why I made the joke about production. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so one of the things that we're seeing more and more in the church nowadays is we're seeing guys in your position. Guys that are production value guys that that really their job is to make sure that things run smoothly on Sundays and, and at other uh, events during the week at church. Yeah. So one of the things that's unique is that's something that you only really see in the American church. Why do you think that is? 
Well, I just took a big bite of popcorn, so my wife made it. She's in the other room talking to your wife right now. But um, I took a trip to Africa in April of 2015. Got to kind of see how the third world um, operates in the church world in stark contrast to the way that we do church. Uh, I did some air quotations there, so if you, when I say do church, uh, if you're <laughs> those who are listening, just like use your two fingers. Do church. Here in uh, America is definitely different because we have different expectations um, as Americans. Everything that we value is a, um, I want it my way. You know, Burger King, uh, the large burger chain restaurant, um, coined the phrase, have it your way. Um, and I think we take that over into the church world uh, naturally because we're humans. Um, but, uh, you know, that's that's the reason that I have the job that I have um, as the director of production. You know, I oversee all of our sound video lights and uh, graphics that you see on the screens on the weekend um, and the team that uh, runs all of that. But, you know, I think that there's uh, almost one of those necessary evils. Um, you also can air quotation that one. Necessary evils uh, to doing church, air quotation that one. You guys are going to have your hands up a lot during this uh, podcast. But um, necessary evils of doing church uh, in a way that, um, you know, I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more talking about uh, the church and what it's for and um, those things. But, uh, you know, my heart behind it is really just to create an atmosphere um, so that somebody who doesn't know Jesus uh, can come in, feel comfortable, um, you know, maybe get into the worship. If they don't, you know, they're just sitting there not doing it much. Um, but they can just experience God in a way uh, that's not distracting. Um, that's really my my job is to eliminate any sort of distraction um, that would create uh, a moment for the Holy Spirit to work. So that's I mean that's awesome, and I've I've known you for a long time now, and I know what your heart is. So that's one one of the reasons why I wanted to interview you because I know you're a guy who's not doing it just because you're you're interested in um, getting more butts in the seats of pews, and then therefore. That means, you know, getting paid more. That's that's not your heart. You really give me more credit than than's due. Um, <laughs> honestly, I think I got uh, roped into doing this, um, you know, back when I was, what was it, 11 years? So I was 17. I'm 28 now. Maybe more like 16, but kind of got roped into it. Um, but uh, I think my, my passion and my heart's really grown. Um yeah, that really what I do is not about the equipment or uh, the way the lights work or, you know, how things look. But it's really about the people um, who are experiencing it. And I really try to look um, from their point of view and the lens that they see things through. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about me. It's not about my team. Um, it's not about how cool the lights are or how good the sound is or uh, how sweet the graphics are that are on the screens. Um, or how cool that video is that just played. Um, it's really about, you know, how it's impacting, uh, the people that are in the seats and, um, you say butts and seats. And I think that it's an interesting point to bring, um, to the table, uh, literally the kitchen table that we're sitting at. Um, but, uh, you always gotta give context in the podcast, you know, interesting. Uh, I worked at a large church for three years. 
And um, the influence on decision-making was huge um, of how many people we could get to sit in our seats. How big could our numbers be on our report um, from that week? And uh, that definitely shaped the way that I looked at my job. Um, You know, obviously, I'm one to uh, submit to leadership that I'm underneath. Um, You know, humbly, I say that in that uh, I could definitely fail on that at any moment. But um, right now, I feel like my heart is, hey, I want to sit underneath the leadership that's been given over me. And at the time, the leadership was saying, how can we get more people? to fill the seats that we have open, Um, which I think is a good thing if there's some fruit coming from that. I think it's great if people are getting saved, if they're meeting Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if, um, you know, they're being impacted some way by the gospel. But I think it's, uh, we're robbing ourselves and we're absolutely robbing the work of the Holy Spirit if we're, um, you know, in any way, uh, fleshly looking at those things and saying, I personally want, you know, arbitrary number amount of people in the seats this weekend um, without any sort of impact on the kingdom. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the way that I look at um, my ministry really is I'm supporting, you know, what the Holy Spirit is doing through my pastor's through the worship leader. Um, you know, I'm empowering uh, not only the volunteers that are working on my team to use their gifts, but also, um, you know, my ministry is supporting the message. Uh, if the sound wasn't on, if the microphone wasn't working the way that it is, uh, people wouldn't hear the message the same. Um, you know, I talk about distract- distractions a little bit on the the beginning of the podcast here, but um, part of those distractions could be the microphone's not even working. Um, That's happened to me before where the wireless headset was not working. So I had to handhold a mic and that was really weird because I like to to preach with both my hands out and make hand gestures like an idiot. Yeah, and imagine how how much that, you know, hindered you. Sure, the audience probably, you know, didn't even really notice you were holding a microphone. But the way that you're hearing from God in that moment totally changes because now you're worried about this microphone that you have to hold and making sure it's close enough to your mouth and, you know, making sure that your voice is being heard. Yeah, the way I, it's I had heard to constantly, the guy in the back had to constantly adjust the volume because I would hold it up to my mouth and then I would take it away and put it down by my chest. And then I kept going back and forth. And also on top of that, I think that was the one Sunday that I was preaching and there was a lady literally amening everything I've said. I'd be like, all right, that's because you're a good preacher, man. Well, I, I'd be like, all right, let's open up our Bibles to John 11. And Amen. She, Amen. I'm like, oh, okay, um, everybody have a good Sunday. Amen. Absolutely. She was just from, when you know you're preaching good, man. You know I, I, mean? I guess like so. You brought you gone, brought the Holy Spirit with you. I think uh, I think you were minutes away from a tambourine happening. Oh my mid service, but um, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about, man. Like that's. From my point of view, that's what I feel like my the ministry that I've been given stewardship over is really for. Um, you know, fail safe on my end. If a microphone headset's not working, we've got a backup. You know, and my team is fully equipped to run that backup up front 
make sure that you don't have to use your hands. And it's a split second decision. Sure, the congregation notices it, but it's something that we'll we'll grow from and you know we'll look we'll look into the week to follow. But there's aspects of production inside the you know inside the church world today um, that I think are necessary to cater to the masses yeah. that we have coming to church. And I think we can praise God for that. You know, the church numbers uh, that you and I have been a part of mm-hmm. um, kind of call for that. I've always been an advocate for the technology that you're using should be strictly for the needs that you have as a church. Mm-hmm. Not because it looks cool, not because it makes you seem big, but what is catering to the size of church that you have right, right now? I'm at a church that's 1800 people. However, our sanctuary only sits about 400 people. So we have five services that we're doing. Yeah. Therefore, I don't need to put the pastor's face on the screens because everybody can see him. Yeah. You don't need a big projection system. Now we are moving into a 32,000 square foot building that includes an 800 seat auditorium. Yeah. There's going to be necessity. To right. put the pastor's face in the screen because those people who are sitting in the back who came to church late because, you know, their kid pooped their pants. <laughs> like, those people are going to need to be able to see the, see the pastor's face. My, my being connect. late for church has increased by 50% ever since having a kid. That's what I'm saying. I've got a two-year-old and I've got one on the way in November. And I know that if I wasn't working at the church, Somebody's we would, pants are getting pooped. We would definitely show up because <laughs> someone's pants are getting pooped that is for sure and uh, and maybe it's you because you're just so frustrated so, i just forgot to go to the bathroom that on the way to church someone's pants got pooped and it happened to be mine yep well hey it happens to the best of us <laughs> thanks for uh you know sympathizing with me i appreciate it so i was i was reading a book and it was actually by uh an author named timothy keller and he the church the, the the book is called Center Church. All right. I highly recommend it to anybody who's looking to go into ministry. Um, but one of the, the chapters that he talks about, and it's actually a theme that he talks about quite often in the book, is talking about uh, contextualizing to the current culture. Do you think adding production value to uh, a church service or church gathering is contextualizing? Imagine if you were buying a computer today, Alex. Okay. No, you know what? Smartphone. Okay, I'm buying, buying a smartphone. Smart what kind of phone is it? See, the fact that you just asked me that totally proves my point. So here's the <laughs> I walked right into it. It's a, it's a smartphone. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yeah. Why does it matter what kind it is? Why does it matter what it looks like? Why does it matter Oh, how I see it where feels? you're coming from. Why does it matter all that? Because I have preferences. You have preferences as a person because you're a human being who lives in 2016 America. Hmm. I think the reason that we have production today is because people have preferences. Yeah. Now we can talk about negatives to that production or to that preferences. So, so before we get into the preferences, okay. What, what do you think is the negative? I, w- I want to hear the bad news before I hear the good news. I sure. Guess. Okay. So I served uh, on staff at a large church. Um, this is different than the current church. That you're totally at. different than the current church I'm at. Um, and a large church in the Metro Detroit area. Mm-hmm. Where I served, and uh, as the director of production there, yeah, um, large church, 
they had four different worship styles. Wow. That's a, um, an eight o'clock mm-hmm. chapel service. Pretty is pretty for tra- your early risers. Who pretty traditional. Totally traditional. Uh, I think the, uh, the pastor preached with a suit and tie. Um, and, uh, the guys who worked the uh, production booth showed up in a suit and tie. So you can tell the culture, uh, that was in that, that service. Um, the 1950s called, they want their church service back. <laughs> exactly. Uh, which, uh, I mean, you would look at the, uh, the people in that service and go, Oh yeah, that kind of makes sense. Um, then there was a, uh, a nine thirty contemporary service in the sanctuary um, and at 11, there was a simultaneous traditional service in the same sanctuary Wow! as a contemporary service. And then across the hall in the... How do you uh, guys keep track of all dude, that? That's, that sounds super ridiculous. That's what I'm saying. So uh, It's almost like you're cr- purposely creating division in the church. This is where I'm going with this. Okay. I'll, I'll so let you just talk. wait it out. <laughs> this, is like, this is one of those moments where just don't spoil it for everybody. Okay. I won't spoil it. Let them hang on to the story, okay? Okay. I'm all right. sorry. That's okay. I'll forgive you. So across the, across the hall from traditional service at 11 o'clock was what I like to call hipster church. Okay. It's where all the young people went, you know, the, uh, the oldie youngies, you know, the people who are like 40 but want to be 20 went. Um, people who are, wear, are buying leather jackets from Goodwill. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I uh, still think they're hip. Um, mm-hmm. are going, and that's kind of more Mumford and Sons type. Okay. Acoustic worship. So you can see the totally different four, four different services types. Um, and what I believe, uh, now that church had a steady decline the three years that I was there. Wow. So they're doing something to grow the church, but showing no fruit hmm. to that growth. Um, spending hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars on production. Wow. To grow that church. And I was a part of it. Wow. I can tell you personally, my failure is that I cared more about the benefits than I did actually serving that church. That takes a big man to admit that, especially somebody in ministry. I'm going to be honest and say maybe I wouldn't be as big of a man if I didn't have a ministry job currently Hmm. at a church that I really respect. And there are a lot of positives. Personally, you see, the way that I learned how to do things production-wise at that large church will drastically form the way that I do production and ministry even as a pastor in the future. Mm -hmm. Because I had to deal with a lot of different kinds of people. Yeah. So not necessarily uh, wasted time. but No, yeah, definitely not wasted time. But you can just see... You know what? Mm. There's a stigma mm-hmm. to the capital C church that that really didn't help. Okay. To subside. You okay. know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, so when we think about the way to do church, everybody use your quotations and say it with me, do church, um, you know, was personified in that, that large church that I was serving in. Uh, fast forward now, currently where I'm at, and to see the leadership um, preaching, this is a church that we want your grandkids to get saved at, mm-hmm. um, is a huge... Which is biblical. Totally biblical. 
you know, like you said earlier, like young people being taught by the old. Yeah, there's there's a reason why the Quakers are next to nil gone in our culture today, because one, they didn't believe that they should have kids. And then therefore they weren't really investing in the next generation. They weren't discipling the next generation of kids, which I think is essential um, to the, you know, the furtherment of the kingdom. Yeah. And, you know, when Jesus said he's coming back for the spotless and blameless church, Mm -hmm. maybe that's us, but really we need to be investing in the future of us. Yeah. And I believe that's why, you know, we're going to go back to the question I asked you. Why do you care what smartphone you get? Mm -hmm. Because you have preferences. And the population and culture today has preferences. Um, I think it's okay as Christians to break through that and say, you know what? My preference really is a discipleship relationship with Jesus. And what I do production wise um, I'm really just trying to aid to that. The, you know, production world as a whole, I think, has, uh, you know, polar opposites. There are guys who care so much about the gear they're using mm-hmm. um, and not so much about why they're using it. Yeah. And then there's the guys who care so much more about why they're using it that they don't care about the gear they're using therefore the product they're getting is not very great yeah um and the heart behind that really is felt you know if you listen to a song um you can really connect with it if it comes from the singer's heart but you really don't connect with it and you really don't remember it if it's not something that the singer really seems to feel same thing comes with production man i would want somebody who is anointed to make coffee for mm-hmm. me to make my coffee because some old Joe Schmo is coming in to make my coffee. I'm a big coffee snob, by the way, to those who are listening. Um, some Joe Schmo is coming in to make coffee, to make my coffee. It's probably not going to be that good. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's anointed to make my coffee, who cares about it, has a passion for it. It's going to be excellent. And I'm going to reap the benefits of that. Same thing with production, man. I'm trying to lead my team to come in and use their gifts, not because it looks cool or it sounds good or because that video was sweet, mm-hmm. solely so that the person sitting in the seat can experience Jesus. And I think that that's rounded um, on both people who don't know God and those who do know God. Yeah. So, yeah, that's wow. Thank you so much for that, Austin. <laughs> You're welcome, man. I just so one of the things that I I obviously have a problem with is I agree with everything you're saying. I think though that along with those preferences and and we all have them like you said like I definitely prefer prefer more, more of a post contemporary uh church style the Mumford and Sons the if we could just do like some old like avid brother like spirituals, like if we would cover those, I'd be all in. I'd be raising my hands, yeah, dancing I'd be the in pastor the- of that church for sure. Um, but what you're seeing in other countries other than America is you're seeing a ton of church growth. You're seeing it in Africa. You're seeing it in China. But guess what? They don't have the production value. So why why are they growing more and more without this? production value and why in the American church 
I don't want to say that the American church is dying, but I also, I feel like it's kind of like an idol. Like it's just kind of just there. Yeah. So when I went to Africa, I, I kind of referenced that earlier in the podcast in April, 2015. Um, those people are hungry for the things of God without stipulation. I think America is hungry for the things of God as long as they fit the life that we're trying to make for ourselves. Do you think that's a hindrance? I absolutely think it's a hindrance. Do you think it's because we live in such a cushy bubble? I think we absolutely live in a cushy bubble. We've got, you know, a million things like, on the outside protecting us from a million like things. You're not worried about this Sunday that somebody's going to come in and shoot up your church. You're no not way. worried about that at all. No way. But in China, that's a huge worry. And yeah, that's why they go meet to church in, in China. Yeah, they go to church in China and they meet in secret. Like you said, they can't tell anybody that they're an actual church, but they're growing at exponential rates mm-hmm. because they're hungry for the things of God. I think if we churn our hearts as a church back towards the things of God and not to the things of the flesh, I mean, that's, that's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. My flesh wants light show, good sound, the sound that I hear on the radio, the yeah. sound that I hear on my CD. I want that singer to sing those notes perfectly. And that's how I'm going to connect with Jesus. Mm-hmm. I selfishly can say, without any sort of humble restriction, that I could worship in any setting. Mm-hmm. Maybe that sounds... Super bold, mm-hmm. but I've made it a point in my heart to say, I don't need guitars. I don't need drums. I don't need the lights to look cool to help me enter the presence of God. I went to a Roman Orthodox or Greek, I'm sorry, Greek Orthodox church in Nashville where there was no, no music. There was Gregorian chant, which is what Worship started out as. And it was one of the best church services I've ever been to. Really? Yeah. I stood the whole time. No, no seats. You don't sit. See, some in some places, like, man, the pew is not comfortable here at this church. I'm going to go find another church. That's what I'm saying. I think if we turn our hearts as the church, the capital C church, we turn our hearts to the things of God and not to the things that are flesh. All that production stuff just... Doesn't matter anymore. It's good to have. I don't, and, and I'm not, I don't want to come from a position of where I'm like, you know what? The only production value we need in a church is just one lit candle in the middle of the, of the auditorium. Dude, that would be the coolest production ever. And people would be like, that is so post-contemporary. I've never seen that before in my life. That's amazing. That would make your job so much easier. It's totally. Like, okay, if we just go back to how it used to be. I just need a candle, some lighter fluid and a lighter. Like Easiest budget I've ever <laughs> had to deal with. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. I wish I wish we could get to that point. I wish we could be like that that old the the original church when they first met and they were literally just like man, I just want to hear more about this Jesus guy who saved me. Yeah, you can imagine uh the first church movement, people meeting in small uh clay huts. <laughs> maybe they had a roof, maybe not. I've seen both in third world countries that are pretty much not 
moved past that point. And there's no roof budget. There's no in, in the church's roof budget. budget. That just, is, they're just trying to make sure that hey, if we got any extra money, we'll maybe feed the poor. That is for sure. And honestly, I think they're doing it right, dude. I don't think. Here's the deal. I don't think we're doing it wrong. Okay. Because, like I said, we're contextualizing a little bit. Right. So the person that may not understand what we're talking about, the person that may, be, that may think, you want to go worship in a mud hut? Like, that sounds ridiculous. I want comfy seats and air conditioning. But if we have those things, the person comes in the door, and they, because of what you've done, your heart towards production value, towards making sure everything is running as best and as smoothly as it can, they hear the gospel for the first time and they get saved. Let me tell you a little bit contrast and compare. Okay. So I went to Africa. Right. Um, small little hut. People can meet. Only 40 people could fit inside this hut. But there was 200 people in the church. Wow. So you were the first 40. You sat outside the hut. Or you came back next week. Boom. America. Think about. We like our coffee. Good. Mm -hmm. And somewhat free. Close to free. If not free. Yeah. We like our children's programs. Quick. Check my kid in. Drop them off. I go to the worship center. We want our worship center to be a cool 72 or 70, depending on your system and the larger, how big your room is. Uh, We want our ushers to be friendly. We want our seats to be comfortable. We want our worship to be our style of music. We want our sermon to be, to speak to us personally. And we want someone to ask us to dinner afterwards or lunch, depending on when your service is. I mean, that's always the best thing. Sure, it's great. But imagine the things that the third world church goes through in contrast to what American church goes through. People in the third world church, i.e. this African church, are not leaving the church because they didn't get a seat in their church on Sunday. Now, how I feel what I'm doing in the production wise and how that caters to butts and seats and that American way of doing church. Mm-hmm. Y'all can put your hands up doing church today. I think we can really look at ourselves personally first and then corporately mm-hmm. because personally, if we don't have our hearts, right then we really can't look at the larger picture. The word says that if we don't first look at the plank in our own eye, Mm -hmm. we can't clean the speck out of our brother's eye. Right. I think that really caters to the church capital C today as a whole, that if first my heart not is not, I can come into a Greek Orthodox, no music church and experience the presence of God. Yeah. As long as they're preaching the Christ, it doesn't matter if they got organs or if it's acapella. Right. If I can go into that church 
and experience the presence of God. But I can also go into the largely production, video-driven, cool lights, cool sound. Worship leader has a great outfit on, playing he, guitar, playing bass. He has bass. to have tattoos. Definitely has to have tattoos. Playing drums. If I can't worship in that space either, I really need to check something on myself. Mm. And so those of you who are listening to the podcast, whether or not you know Jesus, I want you to know that Jesus is not worried about the rapper. He's not worried about what's on the outside. Mm-hmm. He really cares about the heart of the thing. The church that I'm serving at right now, we've got great production. I mean, unbiasedly, I'm going to say I'm doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I mean, I think you should get a raise. I definitely do. If my pastor's listening to this, um, maybe I should get a raise. But <laughs> the other thing of that is, I'm creating an atmosphere so that the pastor that I'm talking about can go up there, not worry about the fact that his microphone's going to work, not worry about the fact that his, the notes that he spent hours putting together are going to show up on the screens so that people can see them. I'm creating an environment for him. Imagine if your pastor had to go up there and have no idea whether or not his stuff was going to work. Imagine the thing that was going on in his mind. That would definitely create some anxiety in me. So I'm not just serving the church. I'm also serving those who lead the church. Mm. And that's that's my mentality. So when we're talking about production in the church and butts in seats, I'm a huge fan of production in a church if it's creating more room For the people who are putting their butts in the seats to experience the word of God, experience the presence of God, those who don't know Jesus to come to him. I don't care if it looks cool. I don't care if it sounds cool. I don't care if the video looks sweet. I just want the person in that seat to experience the presence of God so that they can heal their marriage. They can heal whatever problem they're going through. So that Jesus can come in and just wreck their life. Because, and rebuild again. Yes, thank you, Pastor Alex. I'm just saying, if something's got to get wrecked, Jesus has got to rebuild it. That's for sure. That's a good word. Write that down. If you have a pen and paper, not if you're driving right now. Oh my gosh. But if you have a pen and paper, that's what Siri is for. Siri, remind me that Alex said... Wow. It, one So we're, we're running out of time yeah. and our, our wives are starting to get really loud and really chatty in the back. So we got to, you know, put that down. Right. Um, but I wanted to ask you, cause Jason can't be here. This is a question uh, he would want. Jason, if you hear me right now, Hey buddy, I miss you and your boys and your crazy <laughs> wife. <laughs> what do you think I about Jess, by the way, what do you think about drum shields? And should churches spend exorbitant amounts of money on drum shields? I'm sorry, Jason. I'm so sorry. I got to ask. If you think about the drum shield, stop thinking. Don't even use your brain. Just get rid of the drum shield. Yes. Amen. Amen. Listen, the only problem comes with training your drummer to play to the room. If you can tell your drummer not to hit the cymbal so hard. 
would be amazing. We don't wouldn't need drum shields. The manufacturer of drum shields, I don't even know who they are because I don't use them. I think they're ISIS. They might. <laughs> I'm not even going to say that because I might get bombed. I don't know. But don't use a drum shield. Austin Germain guarantee. Well, thanks, buddy. I really appreciate Thanks you for having me on the podcast, man. This has been amazing. We're holding hands right now. This is amazing. Um, all of you listening to the podcast, uh, Jason and Alex are doing a great thing. So uh, keep subscribing. And uh, you probably won't have to listen to me much longer. But um, I hope that this gives you a better insight into maybe how your church feels, uh, maybe uh, how your pastor feels. Uh, maybe how you should feel uh, walking into your church building um, to worship Jesus on Sunday morning. Because really, that's all that it's about. It's not about Absolutely. how you feel. It's about you coming in and worshiping Christ. Absolutely. And invite your friends so that they can worship Christ. Anything else? No, I, th- no, I think we covered it all. Thank you so much. You're so welcome, man. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right. This is Alex in Austin in Marshall, Michigan, signing out. Love you guys. See you around. See you later. Yes! Yeah! Good interview! Austin! Nice! That's my boy! What do you think of that, church? Jason, there's nobody here. The only people that are here are the dead people out back. You know what, Alex? If we build it, they will come. Correction. If God builds it, they will come. I got spiritual there. All right, yeah. Let's take a break. We'll come back and talk about this interview some more. Hey, guys. Jason here. You know, the only half of Not Your Pastor's podcast that really matters. Just kidding, Alex. Hey, we've got some great shows coming up. We've got some great guests coming up, and we can't wait to get those out to you. But in the meantime, we could use your help. If you could leave us some reviews on iTunes... And just share these episodes with your friends and communicate with us through the hashtag AskNYPP. That would be really sweet. Just wanted to say thank you so far, and let's get back to the show. Alex, you had to ask him about the drum shields. Oh, I definitely, I knew that was like a hot button issue for you. Dude, I'm listening to that interview and I hear the drum shield question come up and I just, I turn red. (laughs) Like there is nothing that makes me more mad than a drum shield. I seriously, I got ticked off when I, he even brought it up. I, I love his answer. His answer is perfect. You do not, churches everywhere, do yourself a favor and burn your drum shield now. You know where they, you buy drum shields at, Jason? The Christian bookstore. <laughs> I was going to say Demons Are Us. Yeah, Demons, <laughs> yeah. It's just something for you to waste your money on. Give that money to somebody who's hungry. Give it to a missionary who's out there trying to plant churches in your neighborhood or across the world. You don't need them. So, like, 10 years ago when I was doing the band thing, we played, like, I played probably 500 shows in five years. Wow. You know how many times we were asked to use a drum shield? How many? One time. You want to know where it was at? Where? A church in Northville, and I'm never going to that church again. We probably played that one with Zayo. (laughs) I'm so mad at you still about that. (laughs) There was a bunch of metal bands there, which I didn't care about and didn't listen to them because I didn't like metal at the time. Well, other than the drum drum shields, what what were some of the big takeaways for for this interview for you, Jason? (sighs) I like... I loved everything Austin had to say. There's so much about the production of church that gets me pretty fired up. Yeah. 
And that's probably from my background uh, coming from the Church of Christ. So I know I've like been bagging on the Church of Christ in a couple of episodes. They're not all bad. No, they're not all bad. I, I would say the one we were going to at that particular time was bad. I don't even know if they're bad anymore. It's just... It's just the the way it uh, it's just the way the cookie crumbled, as they say. It's, uh, at the time, it was not good, and but one of the things I I appreciated about that was it was so simple, and there was no production value. Mm. There was there was no production. We're gonna sing a couple of songs out of a hymns. We're gonna do communion. Uh, we're gonna pray, and we're we're gonna get on with the sermon. We're gonna sing a couple more songs, and and there's no lighting there's no production there's no powerpoint it's just really super simple just your focus was on god and not on flashing things and i'll say like the first time i've said it on here before like in our first episode the first time i walked into the church we went to now after coming from such a very conservative church with no production value and then seeing the full-blown production value of where we're at, I was like, this place is fake. <laughs> this place is terrible. Like, I'm, first of all, the, the whole no musical instruments thanks to a full band is like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to hell now. Like, <laughs> I, I, I felt that way. And then the preacher gets up there, and I, he was just so over the top and so energetic, and it just... I was like, this dude's fake. It, it was a bad judgment. Like, and that's why, like, when we were looking for a new church, I told Jess, I was like, I'm not just going to go from church to church every Sunday. We're going to give each church 90 days, and wow. we're going to go to everything. So, I mean, we went on that first Sunday, and I hated it. Jess hated it. And we're like, no. And then I reminded her, I was like, we got to do the 90-day thing, like I said. We got to give them an honest shot. And we came back on a Wednesday, and it was a much more laid back intimate bible study like 40 50 people in a room the pastor's there there's no music we're just gathering around and we're just going through a bible topic and that was something i was it was just way easier to submerge myself into yeah because i didn't need the production value mm -hmm. i wanted i, I didn't I wasn't going there for production i was going there for bible yeah and that's what i wanted but it was buried in the production and then we came back on the following sunday and he really hit it off with a sermon series where I truly, I heard the gospel for the first time hmm. after going to church my whole entire life. I, I don't remember ever hearing the gospel so communicated so clearly than what he did in that following sermon series. And as we stayed there throughout that 90 days, I realized that their hearts are actually pretty pure. Like I don't agree. I still don't agree with everything we do. Some of it drives me nuts. It does. But, but knowing the people behind it, loving the people behind it, knowing their intentions behind it, like it's not like they're trying to actively lead people astray or, or make people angry. They're doing their best mm -hmm. with what they think is their best. And there's something to be said for that. Yeah. And I mean, there's something to be said about, I said it in the interview when I was talking to Austin, but the whole idea of contextualizing, like it's, it's almost like, Churches, it's a necessary evil that Way to churches, bring out your seminary book there, Alex. Okay, I, like, I like that. <laughs> you almost have to have some sort of production value. Otherwise, Christians, or maybe, I guess I shouldn't... Was he calling it capital C church? Yeah. How, are we going to keep doing the air quotes this air whole... Quotations. Yeah, uh, but this whole episode. I, I guess I shouldn't call them non-Christians, but I should say maybe Christians that are more immature won't go to a church if the lighting's not cool or if the band doesn't sound good. 
or the seats are uncomfortable or the AC doesn't work. I remember there was one time at our church in Flint where the heating went out and it was dropping. It was at least 50 degrees in the auditorium. And you could just tell people were just cold, but the pastor just kept on preaching. It, you he put your coat on and you praise Jesus. I, I wasn't into his sermon. I'm going to be quite honest. <laughs> I was like, oh, you, need to, you need to wrap it up, buddy. Wrap it up. But another thing, too, and I want you to talk a little bit about this, Jason, because you've, you've been to a, a country that's not first world or second world even. You've... We, we talked about how the church is growing in Africa and in China, and guess what? They don't have the production value. So you got to go to Jordan. So tell us a yeah. little bit about that and what the church looks like there. Yeah, over there. And their production value. Yeah, and that's where like I really resonated with Austin and him visiting South Africa and seeing that. And even hearing like our pastor not too long ago went to the Philippines and some of the stuff he brought back talking about, you know, they met in a little hut out in the woods, mm-hmm. and people were just so eager to hear about Jesus. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't need the huge production. And over in, over in Jordan, uh, I, I didn't get to visit the church there because we got invited over for dinner by, uh, by a uh, Muslim family, which was just, it was awesome. <laughs> like their hospitality is through the roof. It just, I was blown away by that. But we, uh, we hooked up with a guy, um, I cannot mention his name, uh, uh, just because if this somehow ever got back to him, he could be in some serious trouble if he's not already dead. Mm-hmm. But he was a Muslim who converted to Christianity, mm-hmm. which over there is a big giant no-no. Like you can come in and be a Christian and be a visitor and they will fully accept you. And they have kind of a freedom of religion in that aspect. Yeah. But if you're born over there and you convert from Islam to Christianity or another religion, you are you're really uh, persecution's heavy. Yeah. So we met a guy um, in the church. I think in the city of Amman, there was like two churches. One was a Catholic church and I think one was a Nazarene church. And our missionary was telling us, because this is where they went and worshipped, there was about 100 people. And at one time, 80 different nationalities were represented. Wow. And you think Amman's, you know, it's a couple million people big. And at the time, there's refugees, you know, flooding in from Syria. I mean, it's just chaos. The populations is just overcrowding is is going nuts. But yeah, 100 Christians in the whole place and 80 nationalities represented and people in different languages. And they're just all coming together under the banner of Jesus. Yeah. It's not about theology at that point. It didn't matter if you what background you had. You needed to be around other believers. Didn't matter what type of yeah. music, even hymns, post-contemporary, Mumford and Son yeah. style, whatever. Yeah. It just didn't matter. No, at that it, point. it did not matter. And so the, the one guy we were talking about, the guy who converted to Christianity, he said he would, uh, there's these uh, people that kind of follow you around. They're called the secret police. They're not like a government sanctioned. I, I don't know if they are or not. I don't think they are, but they're just people who, you know, spy on you and they hand you into the government and there's like a little cash reward you know if they hand you in Mm -hmm. they catch christians or converts and so he was telling me every time he's telling a group of us every time he goes to church that he parks at the mall which is two to three miles away from the church he parks at the mall parking garage and he walks that two or three miles to get to church for that hour or two hour or whatever and you know service and then 
he'll walk back afterwards, and every time he comes back, he's got people waiting in his car. Where were you? What were you doing? We saw that you, you, and every time he has to give an excuse because if he gets found out, I mean, he could lose his wife. He could be kicked out, uh, not his wife. He could uh, lose his life. He could be kicked out of his family. I mean, he could lose his job. And over there, their, their families are, are tribal. So your family is this huge, giant support group. It's not just like our nuclear family that we have over here of, you know, your, your parents and then your grandparents or whatever. They have tribes. But it's all their relatives are all yeah. kind of packed together. And that's your 24-hour, you know, seven days a week support group. I mean, if you need a job, you go to your family. If you need food, you go to your family. If you get a flat tire, you go to your family, and you're always there for one another. And to be kicked out of your family for being a Christian, and, and I, it's an honor-shame society. So if you convert to a Christianity, you bring shame on the family, and they could do, I mean, they could do an honor-shame killing. Yeah. Or they'll kick you out of the family, and they'll consider you'll, you'll literally be dead to your family. Yeah. Well, if you're dead to your support group, you've got nothing. You've got nobody to go to. There's I mean, that's that's you. really what it was like in the early church. Like, I'm sure a lot of them, it was it was the same. I mean, it's the same region of the of the the globe that. Yeah. So they still had that back in the early church. So all they had left was the church. They didn't have their families anymore. All they had was the family, the community of believers, and that's why you see in like Acts two, you see the the just the community is giving, selling all of their possessions in yeah. order to take care of those within the body that had need because. Some of them did probably lose their job. Some of them didn't probably lose that support system that they had. And then you come over to the land of the free, home of the brave. Oh, man. Make America great again. And oh, see, you said it this time. It wasn't <laughs> me. It was Alex this time. And you see people that are literally like, ah, it's cold outside. I don't want to go to church. Yeah. Ah, oh, it's hot outside. I don't want to go to There's church. There's no place to park. There's no place to, to park. Their parking lot stinks. I'm not going to park my car there. Their child care system is awful. Like, they don't, they don't give my kids candy and like, cute little, like, crafts every Sunday. Yeah. They don't have a homeschooling network. <laughs> oh. Tied into one of our previous episodes. And you think about that, and you look at, so you look at those churches across Across the globe from us, across oceans from us, and literally all they're relying on is Jesus. Yeah. And over here, I wouldn't. I don't want to put all Christians in America in this category, but I would say a majority. I would say, I hate saying that, but a majority of Christians are so caught up in how the temple looks, and Jesus says, "No, it's not about that. No. You're the temple." Jesus said, "Hey, guess what? This temple is going to be torn down." I'm going to build it up in three days. Didn't matter. And he's talking about believers. Yeah. He's not talking about physical walls. No, he's not. <sighs> yeah, I just think it's so rough. I mean, like, even seeing uh, the Muslims over there on their Friday morning, their day of worship, and seeing, driving by, um, there's like a mosque on every other corner, just like you'd have a, you know, a different church on every corner, but the mosques are completely filled and then there's people lining the streets listening to the, I think it's the imam, over mm -hmm. like, over loudspeakers. And they just, I mean, they can't get enough of what many Christians would consider a false god. Mm -hmm. And to me, how sad that is. Like, like, if you really believe, like, they're worshiping a false god and you're in there and you're in that context and you see all these people worshiping a false god, 
yet you would not be willing to worship your God, the true God, in the same fashion over in a very luxurious country. I mean, it's really convicting. It was for me. So, like, I think, I think it's awesome that awesome got, uh, Austin got to see that, the, uh, you know, a different cultural context. He got to see the church operate outside of the American church, and so did I. And I think once you see that, it's hard for that not to change you. Yeah. It's hard. And you, you, you start asking yourself, why? Why do, why, why do we make such a big deal out of stuff that's not a big deal? You get butts and seats because it's an to entertainment culture. Seats. Yeah, I hate, I hate that thing. And that's one of the things that um, the guy I'm talking about, the guy who converted to. So even our missionaries over there, uh, one of our missionaries, he was telling me a story. Uh, you know, he had been there for three years. And, you know, American Christianity is built around numbers. You base everything that you do on numbers. Uh, how well is my ministry doing? Well, how many people has it grown by over yeah. the last couple of years? We started with 20, now we're at, you know, 80. Yeah, and he said, you know, he's three years into this thing, and he's just got this one guy, this one convert. One convert. That's it. And he was really disappointed. His heart's kind of broken as he's writing letters back to his, uh, his churches that are supporting him. He's like, I just, I got, you know, I got one guy. And he's kind of feeling like a failure. And he told the guy who he had, dis- had been discipling, the one convert, and he got so mad at him. The guy, the Muslim converted to Christian, got so mad at our missionary because he's saying, don't you think that I'm worth it? Like you made a difference to me. Like, no, you didn't come over here and change the world like you thought you would. You didn't convert all of the country of Jordan. But you made a difference to me. I know Christ because of you and your friendship. And I think we put all of our emphasis on numbers rather than spiritual growth of individuals. Yeah, that's, that's so I don't think it's I don't think it's bad to say to say we want to win a country over for Jesus. No, but I wonder if that's kind of like a more of like kind of like an Americana kind of like imp- imperial kind of mindset. Why don't we just say, you know what? I want to win one person to Jesus, and after that one person is one, I want to win another one, and I want to win another one. Why don't we just why don't we start small like that and make disciples and not just another yeah. massive church? Yeah, and I, I thing. mean, I'll be honest with you. Like I read David Platt's radical. Yeah. And felt like a crappy Christian because <laughs> that's the only way you could feel after reading that book. Yeah, like, absolutely. I read the book. It's like, I am an awful, terrible Christian. But he makes the point right in the like, first chapter of his book. Like, you know, here we are at this mega church with all these programs and all this big production value. And yet Jesus poured his life ministry into 12. Mm-hmm. So what if we poured our lifetime worth of ministry into a smaller group of people who would in turn pour their lifetime ministry into a smaller group of people. At the end, it would end up being bigger. It'd be bigger yeah. than what we could reach in you'd, our area. You'd be making better quality disciples. A couple of thousand people at a time. Yeah, As, absolutely. Instead of just a bunch of immature baby Christians running around waiting for the next <laughs> right. next light show at a, at a, at a, <laughs> the at next a church light surf. show. Yeah. Oh goodness! We'll what, do a, a laser Jesus show. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, what do you? What did you like about the? What did you? So there's definitely some negatives to church production and church production value, but there's there's also some positives that Austin brought up. Yeah, 
um, the distraction-free worship. Yes. I thought that. I think you can get that on a smaller scale. But I will tell you this. I, you know, like I said, I brought up the, the Church of Christ on the low production value. Well, also, a lot of times you ended up having your kids sit with you. Yeah. And I've at the time I had some very small children, and they're all over the place, and you can't pay attention. They're like Austin said, they're pooping their pants, <laughs> and you're you're running late, and just everything that can go wrong with a kid will go wrong with a kid, and there's just a lot of distraction. So it was nice for my wife and I to be able to come to a new church and drop our kids off and not have to worry yeah. about that and just focus. There is something freeing about that. Yes. Absolutely. We just started using childcare for our daughter and it was like, man, this is actually nice. Yeah. Cause you could kind of sit there as a couple Yeah. and just really let the message kind of resonate with your life without being distracted. So yeah, I could see some elements of what Austin was talking about. Like, yeah, the, the, you know, a microphone cutting in and out and for, for myself, like speaking on several different occasions, Mm -hmm. uh, there's nothing that's more terrifying about preaching to me than putting on that stupid microphone, (laughs) like that backstreet boys. (laughs) I hate that thing so much. I am never nervous to preach until I put that stupid my microphone. My beard on. always rustles the, the microphone part, and it's like... You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to put that microphone, like implant it into my beard, <laughs> so nobody would see any microphone. It's just like, he's got a booming voice of God. Like, <laughs> where is it coming from? Oh, my gosh. But so, yeah, I like, I like the destruction, or destruction. The destruction, destruction free. Yeah. But the production, or the, the production value having being a distraction-free... Like that is that is definitely good, and it and it is nice. I will say this: it is nice to come out of a blazing hot Michigan, just humid day to come into something with AC. I mean, I don't think I don't think AC is the devil. I but it is something that I will overlook if I'm looking for a new church. I'm like, if they got AC, cool. If they don't, no big deal. Yeah, you know I, what I mean. I think one of the things are my pastor has said is too is like if you're going to do the value like if you're going to have some production do it well like there's nothing that work that looks worse than like trying but not giving yeah. it your all yeah and like now you got your website up on a, like a geo cities like <laughs> like just this crappy little html yeah thing that's ugly like that's not going to attract very many people i guess but I don't know. I could look at that the other way and say, well, man, if you just go out and meet people where they're at, I, I don't know. I could see both sides to it. Definitely. I guess. And I, I agree with his notion. Like, yeah, if you're going to do it, do it well. Yeah. I guess. So here's where I'm at. And maybe this is the conclusion that we can draw as we, as we close up the show production. I don't want to say it's a hundred percent necessary. I don't think it is. I think I think we make way too much of it. I think Christians, especially, we're we're looking for that for that equivalent to the big show that the secular world gets. Yeah. So we're gonna bring the big show into the church. Yeah. And Jesus didn't bring the big show. I mean, he did do miracles and stuff, but that's not what it was about. His he just wanted to teach the disciples the good news. He wanted to teach everybody who would listen to him about the kingdom that was to come, and that to 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 flee from the wrath of God. That's what he came here to do. And then what Christians have done is they've hijacked that message and they said, let's, let's add some lights. Yeah. Let's add some music. Let's make it more appealing to the secular world. And I mean, that's, that's, and that's a whole other episode there, whether churches are, should be seeker sensitive or seeker driven. Yeah. That's another episode. That's another episode. But 
what I guess I wanted to say, and anybody who's listening who's a believer, get over the production value. It doesn't matter. Yeah, and so I mean, and and what I would say, I agree with you. Like, you do need to get over to it to us back. And like, I'll go back to what I said originally. Like, you like give people a chance, even if you don't agree with their production value. Like, try to honestly like get to know people and see their hearts intent. Like, if they just want numbers, then you should probably look for a different church because they're not being honest and true to the scripture. They just want numbers, mm-hmm. and you. Like, honestly, if you want to be a part of an intimate community, you need to be more than just a number. Yeah. And, like, that goes back. It reminds me of, of what that my, uh, my friend over in Jordan that we made, the, the Christian convert. I wish I could just say his name, but I can't. But he, uh, um, when you walk into a church and it feels like a big, giant production, I'll be honest. Like, I watched the, the, the Republican Democratic National Conventions and to me I looked at it, I watched it on TV and I was like this looks like a church gathering. Oh, D- doesn't it though? That's a burn right doesn't there. It? And so like and so here's my thing is when I walk into a church do I feel like an individual who's going to be loved and who's going to be cared about or do I just feel like a number? When I go to school this is what my my friend over in Jordan said he's like when you go to school you're a number. When you go to your job, you're a number. When you look at your driver's license, you're a number. To the government, you're just a number. Don't make the Christian a number. And Jesus called us by name. He didn't call us by our number. Mm-hmm. He knows us personally. And I think the church should reflect that. And if the first impression I get walking through the door is, this is huge, this is overwhelming, and I'm just a number, I think you're sending people a bad message. And not only on top of that is you're growing this whole entire culture where that's just come to be expected. And it should be broken down way simpler. People should feel loved. Hmm. And they should feel Christ when they walk in that door. They shouldn't just feel like, I'm just now part of this thing. I'm going to consume this product just like I consume everything else. And I'm going to be on my way. Have it your way, church. Yeah. Yeah, which is what I mean. I thought he made an excellent point there. Cool. Well, you think we tackled this? I think we tackled it pretty well. I mean, I hope I hope church believers. Hey, even if there's an atheist listening out there, here's a little bit of us just showing you know who we are behind the scenes. I guess we. If you don't like production value, if you think church is is a big fake show, I I guess I would agree with you that some of them probably are, but not all of them. Yeah, not all of them. So. I'm glad Austin hooked us up with a great interview and uh, made some excellent points. Made some excellent Had points. Had a super sexy, bassy voice. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. And he's a great hockey fan, so maybe we can get him up here for a Flint Firebirds game oh, or yeah. something. Yeah, we'll get him up here for a Firebirds game. But we got to introduce a new segment. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I put out a hashtag, hashtag AskNYPP, and we said, hey, if you guys have questions about the show or just maybe questions in general that you want to ask us, then, you know, we wanted to be uh, open to you guys to uh, to answer them. Yeah, whenever we get these questions in, we're going to throw them in our segment. Hashtag, hashtag AskNYPP ask at the end of our show. <laughs> that was so lame. All right, here it goes. Now it's time for Hashtag Ask NYPP. Questions you should have asked your pastor but asked us instead. All right, guys. Welcome to the new segment of Not Your Pastor's Podcast. Uh, we got one question for you. Jason, you want to read the question? Yeah, Jordan asks, he says this, There are some celebratory Christian songs in the realm of Christian music. 
But I hear contemporary Christian radio and like 70% of the songs are more dramatic, are sad with the redemptive theme. They want to call it positive music and I understand on a deeper level how it is positive compared to the world, but I get the feeling sometimes like we are scared to dance before the Lord with all of our might. I produce electronic music as a hobby and generally focus on drum and bass. Maybe we can find some of his music and get it going in the background. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll do that which is faster and much more energetic than anything I've heard out of Christian radio. I feel like God is worthy of the most energy we are able to come up with when it comes to celebrating Him. I know some other Christian dance music outlets, but in general, the mainstream Christian sphere seems very hesitant when it comes to music. I actually shut off the radio because it's depressing sometimes. I understand not wanting to appear like the world, but what do you think of all this? I will say this. Whenever you say dance before the Lord, I think of uh, Kevin Bacon and Footloose. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm sorry, but... <laughs> that's the first place you go? That's the first place I go. I'm sorry. I think of King David dancing naked. Well, that was that, that was one of the verses that he, uh, young Ken McCormick brought up before the town council. Oh, sorry, not Ken. Ren McCormick brought up before the council uh, talking. I'm sorry. I'm I stupid. I don't even know what you're talking about. You've never seen Footloose? Oh my goodness, you're still on Footloose. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know what you were talking about. Well, yeah. So I was, I'm still talking about Footloose. It's one of its top ten favorite movies. But yeah, no, I Jordan, I'm in complete agreement with you. Every I would even, I would even take it one step further. This is gonna sound bad, but sometimes a Christian radio they just play really cheesy songs. It sucks, alright. Christian radio sucks for the most part. And the only reason we turn I know I know Seth in our last episode yeah, got saved yeah, on yeah. K-Love, so I can't bash it too much because people are getting saved by listening to positive, encouraging music. <laughs> but at the same time, by and large, like the only reason we turn it on in our car is because we know the kids aren't going to hear a bunch of swear words. Yeah, for sure. Which sometimes it's almost worth it just to turn on whatever else because <laughs> it's... Sometimes it's really bad. But I do I do agree with you, Jordan, that we do need to have more songs where it's celebration, that it's not always somber. That, But, yeah, there's great songs that talk about, man, I'm going through this trial, but God's going to get me through it. But there's also times where it's like, no, I'm not going through a trial. I'm, like, just experiencing the blessings of God, and I can sing praises to him about that. Yeah. I listened to some of Jordan's music, and we're playing some of it, and... Uh, I really, really, really appreciate it because you can tell that while he's writing his music, while he's mixing it and recording it, you can tell that he's really thinking about God every step of the way. And it's active worship and it's a different voice. Yeah. You get to hear God speak to somebody else through their art in a different context. Yeah, just because it's not somebody playing acoustic guitar with skinny jeans doesn't mean we can't worship the Lord yeah. through that. And so many times I have like my narrow viewpoint. Yeah. But then I hear Jordan and so I was like, man, God speaks in that way too. Yeah. He's going to speak to a whole group of people. That's something amazing about God, that he didn't just say, this is the only avenue in which you can worship me. He's opened up the whole realm of yeah. music for us to enjoy him and to sing praises to him through it. Yeah. Classical, cool. Uh, classic rock, even cooler. No, it's not. Metal, yeah. awesome. Uh, dance music, celebratory music like Jordan makes, absolutely. All those genres can be used to glorify and you think him. of how inventive it is too so yeah. it's all it's almost all like electronic 
And you think like 2,000 years ago, they didn't have that. But yet God is speaking now, even through this individual, through by whatever beads of art he can create. I would say uh, keep making your music and don't worry about what Christian radio is doing. Yeah, absolutely. Like don't try to don't try to cater to that. Like find a community of your friends and other musicians like you and work on building up that community and find people who like to listen to it. I would also say you can probably use it too as an evangelism tool because who else is going to be really good at reaching that community of musicians? It's not going to be Jason and I because that's not that's not yeah. how that's not what no. we know. But you do, Jordan. You do know that kind of more dance kind of more celebratory kind of more is it techno is maybe a good word for it probably I, not <laughs> i don't know I, he gave it an, an acronym when i was talking to him through like a text so i don't i don't know what it even stands for but but that community needs to hear about the gospel and maybe you're the outlet for that yeah i think i think what we're saying is don't don't worry about the main like stream christian music just do your thing and do it with everything you got in you and God will use it. Mm-hmm. Like if it's coming from an honest and sincere heart, God will use it. Yep. Agreed. There's a time to laugh. There's also time to cry. There's a time to work. And there's also <laughs> a time to dance. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Ren McCormick footloose. <laughs> Booyah. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Yep. I think it's time to wrap it up on that note. Okay, fine. I will. I won't talk about Footloose for at least another five episodes. Yeah, I'd appreciate that. (laughs) All right. We love you, church. Thank you so much. Actually, I shouldn't just say church. We love anybody who listens to this podcast. Yeah, keep keep sending us the feedback. Like, we're really looking forward to not paying attention to it. (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) Some of it. Actually, our, one of our biggest critiques has been the length of our episodes. <laughs> yeah, and we're not, we're not helping that out. But we only post a show every other Friday. So. Right, so we got that going for yeah, us. Yeah, and, and we provide you a break in the middle. So you can pause it in the middle and come back to it. And I think that counts as two plays for us. So yeah. it will really inflate our egos and make <laughs> us, you know, uh, if we're just looking at the numbers aspect of it, no, it makes it look us, make us look like we're doing a good work in the sight of the Lord. So, oh, gosh. Uh, we thank you so much for listening. And remember, always keep your stick on the ice. Did it again.